Welcome to A Christian and a Buddhist Walk Into a Bar. My name is Jamal and I am a Buddhist. My name's Jacob. I'm a Christian. Uh, now, Jacob, as a Buddhist, um, I'll have you know that I have never, ever made a mistake in my life. Have you? I, I have made so many mistakes okay, good. in my life. Well, yeah. th- this is the article for you. <laughs> <laughs> Will it teach me to never make a mistake again, or that, is it going to reframe no, all of my mistakes? Look, is, it, is it a linguistic trick? You can you can take uh, you can take what you what you will out of that. Um, no, I'm uh, I have obviously made a mistake um, in my life. <laughs> however, however, as a vegetarian, I have never uh, I have never missed a steak. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, so I just want to do a bit of a conflict of interest declaration at the start of this article. Um, this article is titled, uh, It is No Great Thing to Make a Mistake. Um, now, it is from a book. Uh, I forget which one, which book it is from, but it, it, it's from a, a series of articles that I pulled off uh, the internet. Um, and it is written by a monk called Ajahn Brahm. Now, um, my conflict of interest declaration is that as... Insofar as I follow a particular lineage, I follow Ajahn Brahm's lineage. Um, he is a. I'll only say nice things. No, okay. you, you can sorry, you can say mean things. <laughs> it's fine. He, you can take it. Um, but um, uh, yeah, so Ajahn Brahm is a uh, monk that was born in England, uh, was predominantly trained in Thailand, and now teaches out of a uh, a monastic community in Perth. Um, there. He, he's no longer officially uh, connected with the tradition in Thailand for reasons that we may get to or may not get to or we'll get to another time. Um, and um, it, it, it's nothing bad. He's just too much of a feminist. Um, and so uh, so he's been kicked out of that religion for being it's kind of newsworthy of- at the moment. I think we're talking off air about... Um- the, the Thai Buddhist tradition has this whole issue around women becoming monks and all the rest of it. There's, there's actually church and state things going exactly. on about well, well, a future episode. And that is actually it, right? So Ajahn Brahm did get kicked out of his uh, out of his tradition for um, advocating for women to become full monastics. Um, and so, you know, I, I yeah, he's still part of the Thai Theravada tradition, but I think there is enough in his teachings that are different that, you know, give it, you know, 20 to 50 years after he dies, uh, there'll likely be a kind of, um, at least a sub, uh, a sub branch of that tradition of Buddhism that is more focused around the, the angle of teaching that he has given, um, uh, than say some of the more traditional Thai ones. It's, I, I kind of see it as like a, as a Western Buddhism or, or a kind of more, um, you know, yeah, a more, Australian take on some of the more Theravada traditions. Anyway, all of that to caveat to say that um, I generally uh, feel like I align most with his teachings. Um, so as a result of that, I'm not going to actually talk about this article. <laughs> Jacob, uh, who read this article and has some thoughts on it, is going to kind of ask some questions and we're going to explore it from your perspective, Jacob. So take us away. Yeah, we'll run it through bit by bit. And I'll just I'll preface this by saying I've I've watched a couple of Arjun Brahm videos like since we kind of... It's because I, I discovered forced that them on you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. He, like, I'd, I wouldn't mind meeting him, I reckon. He seems like a kind of... An interesting guy. Yeah, like, he, I, I, I don't mind him. I'll, I'll, I, I generally, I generally don't follow exactly what his movements are, but he comes to Melbourne and Sydney and sometimes Canberra. Oh, okay, we, we, if he's ever in Canberra, yeah, I, maybe we can do a uh, a Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar <laughs> tour and go and go and see a <laughs> bomb talk. But yeah, a vote for that if you want to see us on tour. Yeah. Christian Buddhist Bar at gmail.com. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, cool. So, so this article is it's entitled "It's No Great Thing to Make a Mistake," uh, and he begins off just saying, "Enlightenment means there's no anger left in your heart. There are no personal desires or delusions left in your heart." No, I, I kind of I, I like that idea of no anger being left in your heart. That that's kind of cool. Um, and this, we'll, we'll see how we go. Might be a bit different this this episode, and maybe the next one I'll talk through the article because I just I noticed all of these things in this article that kind of Christian teaching and, and my understanding of, of Christianity and God and all the rest of it, like there's a whole bunch of stuff that I, I agree with and then bits that I go, oh, but that just doesn't seem quite right to me. So it'll be, be good to dig into that. Um, so he, he starts off by talking about um, when he was a teenager, his father said that he would never throw him out of the or bar the door of his house to him, no matter what Arjun Brahm did. I don't it, Was he Arjun Brahm then? I think it's Peter. Peter, yeah. yeah. Cool, there you go. Um, and he understood that it was an expression of love or acceptance, um, that he would always be accepted in his house. Uh, and he goes on to say that you know we should try to do this with the people that we live with. And and the the term here is meta. Have I said that right? Yes. Yeah, uh, so so meta um, is uh, loving kindness. Effectively, is is probably the mm. best translation of it. So yeah, it's a sense of love, but also well wishing and kind of a a. A love that is around, um, you know, yeah, as as much of a pure, kind, considerate, caring approach as you can, yeah. And he says that this has to be unconditional. Like yeah. that's that's how it works because um, I'll quote here, if you only love someone because they do what you like or because they always live up to your expectations, that love is not worth very much. It's like a business deal kind of love. I will love you only if you give me something back in return. Um and there's this Christian teaching called agape, which is one of the Greek terms for love, which means unconditional love. And Arjun Brahm is basically just describing agape there. And there's this teaching of Jesus um, that says, if, if you only love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Like it, everyone does this. He goes, even the Gentiles, even those people who aren't Jews. So even you and I, Jamal, like we, we love the people who love us like big who cares and he goes on to say uh, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you because then you will be children of your father in heaven so this is how you know that you're god's people when you're loving your enemies so i think it's really interesting the love your enemies thing because um so in um uh meta is also a meditation style uh and Mm -hmm. it's a form of meditation where you generate the feeling of loving kindness and then kind of send it to various people and kind of you know practice uh you know, expressing that feeling to those people. And, you know, you kind of start with, you know, yourself and you love yourself and then you go to, you know, people really close to you, your parents and your family and that kind of stuff. And you kind of keep expanding it out. But there is a very distinct step in that meditation process, which is, you know, anyone who has wronged you, like all of your enemies, you send loving kindness to your enemies and you to the people that you really dislike. Mm. And like that it's it's a very deliberate part of that teaching is that is that exact thing you, you need to have the same feeling as you have to yourself and to the people you care about to your enemies and you know ultimately to everyone in the world i mean like that's a, a variation on the golden rule right mm. like do unto others as you would have them do to you love your neighbor as you as you love yourself is a another way that jesus put it it's probably somewhere in the buddhist tradition as well mm. words to that effect i guess my my question is like well if that starts with love of self like how how do you do that in the Buddhist tradition, and how how do you go about that? Um, so I mean, I think there's, I, I think there's in Buddhism there's obviously a 
there's generally a distinction between kind of the meditative uh, practice and then the, the kind of the ethical behavioral practice. So mm-hmm. in the meditative practice, it is, as I described, kind of the, the meta meditation. That's the main practice there. And that is to kind of generate this kind of positive, warm feeling, um, often associated with like a white light. Uh, and it's about kind of generating that that feeling and that feeling of love and kindness and happiness and essentially directing that feeling to certain people, which includes yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So you direct that feeling inwards to yourself and then you, you know, expand it out. So it's the kind of the, the emotional sentiment of love that I think is is important in the meditative practice. And so is that like love is just out there and you can access it in it's, some it's, way? It's, almost, it's in you more so than even out there. Like it, it is out there. Um, but it's more that like you can generate that. It it is a it is a feeling that you can have from inside. So it's not like you grab it from outside and bring it in, but it's that you you know identify where inside you it is and and, and let it flourish and let it grow. In that so kind of way. so this is the um, what Arjun Brahm calls the Buddha nature. Yes. within us here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And th- but then I guess the the ethical kind of behavioral one is like how do you love yourself? It's by you know behaving and doing things that are kind right so you know you, you love yourself through expressions of kindness you know if i was if i was a, an alcoholic and just you know completely you know drunk myself into a stupor every night that wouldn't be loving myself very much because it's not particularly kind to my body or to my mind or to any of those things right so um you know i think it's one of those things where um loving yourself uh can often be linked with kind of what they call like right behavior right action of like you know doing things which are supportive of your own happiness in, mm-hmm. a, in a behavioral sense not just in a kind of sentiment feeling sense yeah no that that makes sense but he he talks here about um we, we tend to amplify the mistakes that we make mm. and forget the the successes um and i i guess the there's this concept within Christianity um, called cheap grace that a, a guy called Dietrich Bonhoeffer kind of popularized in the 30s, this term, um, which is to you know, essentially say your, your mistakes don't matter. Um, and that there's a sense in which that's true, right? Like your mistakes don't define you. And, that, and that's what I see that Arjun Brahm is saying here is like you, um, there, there's one internet quotable from somewhere you know if i prob- focus on the problem the problem increases if i focus on the answer the answer increases and mm-hmm. so the the thing is to focus not on your mistakes but to to focus on the good that's inside you and the good that you can do and all the rest of it but where where does that leave your mistakes in like do they matter do they have the substance at all or, or is it just a well i'm, I'm going to ignore them and focus on the the good in myself um it's kind of both like so you know you don't want to completely ignore mistakes in that you know you don't want to repeat them right like i think yeah it it is a loving act to recognize and accept uh a mistake that is made and so and to change the behavior associated with it but i think i think where the point is getting here around loving yourself is it's it's that you don't want to add a kind of judgment to those mistakes and i think Mm -hmm. yeah if you look at the title of it it's no great thing to make a mistake it's not saying that there is no mistake it's that it's not a big deal that a mistake is just a mistake right that like you know if you make a mistake it's not some big terrible thing that you've done it's actually just like you know accept that it's a mistake recognize it for a mistake but don't judge yourself and then don't then go on the train of 
you know, chastising and hating yourself and, and doing all of that, mm-hmm. that's the bit that you need to kind of switch out of. So that, like, judgment is just a crucial term here where we're talking mm-hmm. about mistakes, right? Like, because um, the, the if, if Arjun Brahm was a Christian writing this, by this stage, the the phrase forgiveness mm. would have entered into the conversation. And I don't think that word's in this article mm. at all. I'm, I might have missed it somewhere. But is, is it about forgiving yourself, or does that not really matter? Like, be, yeah, oh, and, for sure. It, and judging judging mistakes, like how do you learn from a mistake without judging it in some way? Well, so yeah, it absolutely is about forgiving yourself. Like, yeah, yes, and uh, yeah, he might not explicitly say that but yeah so there's a, there's a passage here where he talks about like you know when he first became a monk uh you know you had to always sit straight in meditation you could never nod off to sleep and he's like yeah but you're up at 4 30 in the morning trying <laughs> to meditate and you've worked until 10 o'clock the night before and you're really tired like it's okay like it, it's fine to kind of nod off and sleep a little bit like it you know it's like that the, the, you need to be you know you need to forgive yourself that you can't just be so strict on yourself right um and it's, you know, I mean, and, you know, the mistake there is is not that you've, um, you know, the, the mistake there is not that you're nodding off to sleep. It's that you're, you're you know, you're forcing yourself to sit straight. Um, but, yeah. But I, so should we not have discipline there? Like, it's just, this strikes me as an inherent tension here, right? Mm. Like, because to to be, you know, doing the the meditation that you were talking before, the meta meditation, right? Like, it, it seems to me that there's discipline involved in that. And in loving yourself, you've, there's, there's, like, there's discipline in not being an alcoholic in some way, shape or form. And how does that work with the forgiveness of mistakes? So, so I think this is where Buddhism gets to this interesting little intersection of um, loving yourself doesn't look the same for every, different, for every single person, right? That for some people, loving yourself looks like being really super kind to yourself and you know, forgiving all these things. And for some people, loving yourself means kind of doing the right thing even though it's hard with a bit of discipline right and like that that is kindness to yourself right so there's a um there's there's a passage in one of the buddhist suttas and i forget which one it is but um the buddha is um talking to uh, a a person i forgot sure. his name um and uh, yeah this this person is an aesthetic and they're very um you know they've been practicing kind of you know starvation practices and aesthetic practices and whatever else um and um and the Buddha goes to them, and you know they're like, you know, "Can you teach? Can you teach me something?" And the Buddha talks about, you know, uh, you know, moderation and and letting go, and you know, and needing to, uh, you know, needing to eat and needing to like, you know, <laughs> kind of just just relax a little bit and like and not actually, you know, not be so hard on yourself. And that person, you know, the Buddha says it in a much more eloquent way, and sure. that person then becomes, you know enlightened and you know it, it, you know great the, the buddha's made someone enlightened this is great and, and and then people ask the buddha like like why did you why did you say what you said to that to that man and the buddha's like well you know if i had talked to him about like the need for for discipline he wouldn't have had to he wouldn't have heard it because he already has discipline what he needed to hear was the need for um for uh compassion you know, and that that for him, for this person, the need for compassion was there because he was inherently already very disciplined. So what he needed to balance that out was this kind of meta loving kindness thing. And the same goes to the inverse, right? If you have someone who is uh, really undisciplined and you know really not able to kind of you know engage in any kind of practice, then maybe what they need is a little bit of discipline, right? But but maybe that that's what kindness 
is for that person, right? Um, you know, similarly, there's a story in um in the Mahayana tradition of a Bodhisattva who um who you know, uh, who who has a person who is um, you know, who's you know begging them for a cup of water, and um, you know, I I, th- I think the Bodhisattva goes in and like you know, essentially doesn't give them a cup of water, and 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 is asked why, and it's like, well, you know. I'm not giving them water because this person actually mm. needs to, you know, needs to learn to source their own water. Yeah. You know, that, 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 you know, that this person needs to learn that, you know, that, that, that where they need to go to find water. And I, I'm butchering the analogy. I, I think it's, it's not quite that, but you know, the, the, the point is that in that person, in that situation, um, you know, it, what that person needs is one thing that might be very different to what another person needs in another situation. I think the point Arjun Brahm is making is that for most people in the Western context in our current world, we are too hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, most people have this kind of productivity mindset, this kind of, you know, um, this Western ideal of like, oh, you need to always be doing something. You need to always be successful. You can never make a mistake. And so what he's advocating for is, you know, you actually need to back off on that. That's the teaching he's giving because he's perceiving that's what the people he's talking to at this point need most of all. And I guess like the, uh, one, of the one of the places I see connections with Christianity in this is, is like, well, I mean, A, that's absolutely bang on in terms of the the diagnosis and and the prescription um there there are some strands of christianity that would say well you know there's a whole bunch of mistakes in your life and you're a sinner and you need to and then yeah that's that's true so far as it goes but it's Mm -hmm. but it's also true that you know people have been created by the love of God in the in the image of a loving God, right? Um, and so there is like there there is a a goodness about people in Christianity would say you know buried under a whole chunk of mud and muck and everything else and and kind of hard to to get down into. But there is this fundamental goodness in people, um, and I guess the 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 Christian in me though wants to just challenge well like actually how how accessible is it for us to 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 get to the the goodness in ourselves and can we sustain this kind of well enough mm. um and this i guess i guess it attaches to the the buddhist idea of, of non-attachment as well right like if if someone has harmed me well then i don't i shouldn't get uh, you know, that might show me that i was too attached to whatever it was that they were able to harm me through and i shouldn't hold on to that harm because that's mm. going to be harmful for me and for for everything else um yeah and, and just from a from a christian perspective that love flows from god and that ability to sit loose to hurt that suffered to us and forgiveness and everything else um comes because that's how god's acted towards us mm. And so this is just me trying to get my head around what does that, you know, a, a really similar kind of framework and, and outward looking of, well, you need to be kind on yourself and loving and forgiving to others and not holding their mistakes against them. Um, I, I would find the resources for that in God and what God's done and knowing who I am in God. Um, and so I'm just wondering where, where, as a Buddhist, you find the resources for 
for dealing with that? And is it all just within yourself and do you have to just work really hard to find it? Um, so I, so I, I guess the – and this is kind of a more uh, a recent understanding for me – is that the answer is yes and. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yes, I think that is within ourselves and we do need to find that and we do need to uh, work hard to uncover that. But also we have external resources – for that as well, and that's in the Dharma, in the teachings of the Buddha, right? And uh, you know, the most accessible way that most Buddhists interact with those teachings is through the Sangha, through the monastic community, or through the um, the the people that essentially dedicate their lives to working that out, right? And you know, Buddhism, like most religions, you know, it it advocates that there is a common experience, right? That you know, that things that monastics can find out through their own reflective practices could also be applied to other people mm-hmm. and so you know yeah you listen to dharma talks you listen to monks that talk about you know situations and examples and how you might want to handle something or whatever else and you can then use that as a kind of as a resource to then reflect on your own stuff and actually find it in yourself like you, you, know, you can listen and just follow the advice of the monks and you're probably going to be okay um but real wisdom and real dharma comes from reflecting and understanding it in yourself so you know you, you need both right you you know you need the 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 teachings that you can hear and learn and use as guideposts to what it is you're trying to find in yourself but then also the community around you to be able to talk through stuff and be able to kind of unpack where you go with that and all that kind of thing so yeah it's um it is both internal and external and and does that like does that mean that if you're you know, if you're unhappy or discontent or you know you you're suffering because you're too connected to suffering in the world and all the rest of it like um, that does it does it follow from that that it's your fault that you've you've not been following the teachings well enough or you're not in touch with your you know your what is it the internal Buddha the, the Buddha um, nature Buddha nature yeah like mm. it yeah. Um, no, it doesn't. Uh, I think a lot of people can think it does. You know, I, I think it, it's very common to um, to kind of take that on board. But I think this is the core message that's being given here by Ajahn Brahm, right? It's that, you know, this is kind of, you know, it, it you are doing those things. You're behaving in those ways that are negative for you. You're, you're stuck in the suffering of the world because of your delusion, right? Because of um, the craving and attachment you have to certain things and how that impacts you. And, like, it's not your fault. Like, it's not like, you know, sure, it might be a mistake. It might be not the right thing to do. But, like, you can't blame yourself for that because that's that that's kind of pretty natural to do. We, you know, we that is our base state of being is to be that way. And it's only through, like, reflection on a wiser state of being that you can break that. So it's, it's, it's like, actually... Here's, here's the point. This is the difference between Buddha nature and human nature, right? You know, yeah, a Buddha, a human can become a Buddha, but fundamentally the, the reason they say you are a Buddha and not a human is because human nature is the nature of delusion, the nature of, you know, attachment and craving and that kind of stuff. And then Buddha nature is what you get to when you get rid of that. But, like, it's just it, it's human nature to, to think those things and to feel those yep. things and to do that. So you know, it's not your fault. It's like maybe it's your karma, uh, which is another point that gets spoken about in the article, but it's like um, it's not it's not something that you are blameworthy for. And is that then like so? It's it's not something that you're blameworthy for, but it's something that you, you, yeah, it's on you to fix. 
Yeah, well, I mean... It's only, or, or if you don't do anything about it, it's not going to get fixed. Put yes, it that way. Yes, yeah. I mean, like, it, it's not... You know, because it is human nature, because it is the way that you would behave and think if, you know, left without any uh, external kind of influence, that, yeah, you you do have to do something to, to change that, that mindset. So, I mean, does Buddhism go into at all why that's the case and and how we got to this why should human nature be the the way it is or it just it's a given um it, it, it's it's kind of a given so it's spoken about as samsara which is the kind of the um mm-hmm. the 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 world and the, the state of the world um so um i mean again you, you can get into some th- kind of theological kind of discussions around like different spiritualities around it so some people talk about the uh, Mara, who is like the god of death, who is kind of like it's. Not- Can we just pause for a moment? Because my understanding was that Buddhism doesn't really have God. Well, yeah, again, not really a god. Yeah, okay, like, this, cool. This, yeah, this, yeah, sorry. I'm, this is where yeah. we get into kind of the. The, the linguistics kind of, of the thing. The, 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 the <laughs> linguistics and like, you know, you, you getting into like, um, you know, Brahmanistic kind of. The, the, the Brahmanistic aspect of Buddhism, right? Which, which is, is a, connected to kind of Hinduism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, there are intersections, right? Sure. So, um, so, you know, some people say Mara is like a god. Some people say Mara is like the representation of something but put into yeah, a god form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, you know, um, so, but Mara is the closest thing the Buddhists have to the devil, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, um, essentially that, you know, um, it's, it's not even that Mara created the world in that way. It's just Mara's really happy with the world in that way and wants to keep it that way. And the Buddha's going around, like, making people enlightened and stopping it, and Mara's getting pissed off. Um, so it's like um, – but, no, like, yeah, it's not that there is, like, some, like, reason for it. It's just, like, it, it's more of an observation. It's a, that is the base state of the world. Yep. The, the, the world is like this. And that, you know, at least I haven't heard any kind of theological justification for why the world is like this. It's just that it is – and, and then, you know, kind of, I guess Buddhist teaching would say something like, well, we, we discovered over the, the years and the millennia that actually, you know, getting a bunch of money and cars mm. and power and, you know, whatever, having a large family or isn't going to bring you happiness and, and we've discovered this enlightenment kind of is. Is that mm. yeah, so more, more or less the, the path that it takes? More yeah. or less, yeah. That, um, that yeah, it's the... the that the, the base state of the world is like this and it's going to lead to a bunch of suffering. And so, well, this is the path out that isn't going to do that for you. It's going to actually lead you to more happiness. Because this was, again, the connections with with Christian thought is that actually the, the you know, this, is, this is not the world as it is or as it was or as it should be, if you like, that um, the world was created for better things mm-hmm. than this suffering. Um, and it and it's not it's not that the world needs to be escaped from, but the world needs to actually be remade, and that mm. that expresses in a in a bunch of ways. But like just because the the way you're talking about human condition here, like just it it reminds me in a whole bunch of ways of the the Christian um, understanding of you know, original sin, mm. and um, I would say you know, fallen human nature rather than human nature like as it should be. Mm. Well, and I think the key difference here, though, is that Buddhism doesn't have a should, right? Like the only reason to get enlightened is because it kind of sucks to not be. You know, <laughs> like, like, like like it's like if, if you want to live your whole life not getting enlightened, like no Buddhist is going to – like Buddhists are going to be like, well, well, that sucks to be you. But yeah. like, like no one's going to be like, oh, you are – 
you know, fund unless you were actively going out there and harming people. Like, no, if, if you're just, you know, if you want to be a, someone who is completely off the wagon in terms of like, you know, not actually doing anything for their own happiness and whatever else, like the, the Buddhists kind of go, yeah, sorry about that. But like, but like there's no should, there's no state of the world that you're trying to achieve. That is, you know, enlightenment is you only want to get to enlightenment because you're sick of the suffering, not because there's something inherent that is like, oh, everyone should be enlightened. But can we pick up for a second on the like actively going out and and harming other people um because my my thinking on on human nature would be that we we're all actively harming other people you know all of the time and sometimes we even do it intentionally um and that that's that's kind of something to to escape from and that's what um that's what Arjun Brahm is talking about here when he talks about like this meta this unconditional love that um to to be compassionate and that's obviously a a really good thing in a in a whole bunch of ways but i mean why is it why is it bad if 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 the problem with not getting enlightened is just well yeah sucks to be you that's that's a bit foolish of you to not want to get enlightened it you know is it bad for me to go around harming other people other than like you know arguably increasing my suffering because that rebounds on me in some way or will or i'll have worse karma for well yeah well yeah so and so this is where you get the difference between maybe the kantian buddhists and the non-kantian <laughs> buddhists right so like yeah I, I think there are some buddhists that would say well you know it's bad because it impacts on you because you know because you're gonna you know it, it is gonna increase your suffering but uh, but i think there is also a sense that it's like you know it's at least at the very least unethical if not kind of um Immoral, and again, I'm, I'm making a distinction between morality and ethics here. Mm-hmm. But like, at the very least, it's unethical to make it harder for other people to become enlightened. You know, I, and again, I think this is where you get to that distinction I was making before about the Mahayana and the Bodhisattva concept of like, you know, in the Mahayana tradition, Bodhisattvas try and support other people to get enlightened, but that's not always by helping them. Like, mm-hmm. it's about by giving them what they need to become enlightened, which sometimes is not help, and sometimes it's not, you know. Yeah, people think of it as like, oh, you give a lot of charity to the poor and whatever else. But it's like, well, sometimes actually no. Sometimes people need to like, you know, see the suffering of their situation in in order to be able to make the life change they need to make, right? Um, And so, yes, but I I think inherently though, it is unethical in Buddhist conception to, um, to try and at least intentionally undermine someone else's path to enlightenment um and so you know going out and like killing someone is probably bad because you know not only is it going to cause bad karma for yourself and gonna you know you're doing it out of hatred so you're taking many steps back away from enlightenment for yourself but also you know you're preventing somebody else from from being from being able see, to kind of be in a position where they like when we when we do that and like i mean this is we're in the realm of ethics, right? Like, do we not come up against some shoulds? Like, when you when you kill someone, you're preventing their enlightenment in some way, and you should not do that. But but the reason you should not do that is nothing is nothing universal, right? Like, there's yeah, there there is a Buddhist law in the five precepts. So sometimes says, you should kill someone. Well, or, I mean, like, but, so so again, there, there is a listener. Bu- don't go out and kill someone. We don't <laughs> condone that. This podcast does not condone murder. Um, no, but so in the Buddhist five precepts, it talks about you know, I, you know you take a vow not to kill 
any yeah. living being, right? But the only reason you take that vow is because the whole point of the five precepts and the whole point of the Buddhist path is to take you to enlightenment. If you reject that enlightenment is the goal, mm-hmm. then none of this matters, right? Like, like if you do not want to become enlightened, if you have no intention of uh, living in a way that is going to support, you know, the Buddhist path and the Buddhist enlightenment as a goal, then theologically, um, at least like uh, spiritually, Buddhism does not have a judgment on morality, right? So, so Arjun Brahm has another book called, literally called Good, Bad, Who Knows, <laughs> right? And, and like, you know, the, the fundamental point there is this idea that it's like, it's not like, it's, it's society that says whether something's good or bad, right? And, like, we in Buddhism say, well, all of these things are good, but that's only because we as a Buddhist society have, you know, have enlightenment as a goal. They're only good if you're trying to get to enlightenment. Mm-hmm. If you're not trying to get to enlightenment, if you're trying to, if you're a, if you are a Satanist and you want to go to what you perceive hell to be and the way to do that is by killing people, like, there's a world in which that is good, you know, like it, 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 it's so, so I, I guess, you know, there, there isn't a universal morality, right? There isn't a should. It's just a should if you want this outcome. Yeah, okay. And, and we can't assume that everyone's going to want that outcome. Correct, yes. Now, all the Buddhist teachings are presuming that you, the outcome you want is enlightenment because of the presumption that, you know, you're kind of a bit pissed off and sick about all this suffering in the world. Um, but, you know... That's a presumption. If people don't want that, okay, then fine. If you don't want that. You're going to have some, some more shitty lifetimes. Yeah, okay. I, 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 I've stumped him. I've stumped him, everybody. <laughs> he's, uh, he's like, all right, cool, we're done on this. Well, uh, is, is there anything in the article that we've not picked up on that you were, you were hoping that we... I, that we I, I think there's a lot in the article, but I think we are running out of time for today. So... Um, we can have a think. Maybe we can do another one on this one, or maybe we can find some other. Yeah, Ajahn Brahm, like all good religious figures, repeats himself significantly all the time. <laughs> so we can probably take all of the things he's saying here and find them in other articles we can address later. But you know, I think, yeah, I think this is um this is a this is a conversation I think we keep coming coming back around to. Right? Is this whole yeah this this universalist ethic or this non universalist ethic, the subjective mm-hmm. versus objective? And I think you know. Um, my position is Christianity and Buddhism is a very, very much the same thing, except for that one little fact, you know, <laughs> that it's like, you know. And, and I think there's a there's a bit to that, but, but like just my the, – the impression that I was left with, possibly mistakenly, reading this article is that the, the kind of the differences in – well, in two ways from this conversation. The one being um, you've got a – lift yourself up by your bootstraps and kind of just do it almost mm. in the in the path to enlightenment in Buddhism um, as opposed to where where Christianity kind of gives you the resources mm. if you like in in knowing God and in being held by God and not needing to not needing to discover your own internal goodness mm. but learning the source of all goodness if I put it that way um, but the the other one is just this um, as as a christian i I care immensely about where are other people going and do they do they actually kind of get to experience life as it's meant to be in in some way like we see an image, mm-hmm. we see an impression 
uh, in this world of, of life as it's meant to be. But, you know, the, the full fullness of recreation in the world as God intends it. Like, I, I want people to experience that. And I can, like, I just, I find this weird tension listening to the way that you're describing Buddhism, which is like, well, of course I want other people to be enlightened because that's just, that is the most good that you can get. But you might not want to, and if you don't want to, or, or, yeah, whatever. Like, and, and I'm being slightly unfair in the paraphrase, yeah, yeah. Well, but uh, so yeah, I, I think maybe what this comes down to is like, so I, I will contend because I would say that, like, you know, God doesn't want that for you, yeah. and you just you can't make that step. No, you can't. Yeah. You can't. Um, so I would contend your point about bootstrapping. I, I don't think it. You know, the, I don't think the message here is you just got to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. But I think the message is that you have a role to play. Right, that that you you have to be active in in your own enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know you yeah that there isn't. It's not just like you can sit there and God will do it for you. Like like you 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 you, you have to do it yourself, uh, and you can't just expect a deity to come in and and save you and do it for you. Right, which is yeah. I, I would take that. That is the point. Um, yeah, it's slightly different from bootstrapping, but yes, I I, I take that. Um, the other one I think it comes down to is this idea that like the fundamental thing is that everything is perception. And so it's like, you know, I mean, in, in a Buddhist concept, like, you know, everything is just how you perceive it to be. So, you know, yeah, I, I want someone else to be enlightened, but, but that's because that's my perception, right? It's like, like, how do I even know that anyone else exists? How do I even know that, like, you know? Um, reminds me of this, um, of this time a Christian and a Buddhist walked into a bar and, um, and the, the, the light bulb was out. Uh, and so, so you know, they go to the bartender. It's like, oh, the light bulb's out. And the bartender's like, yeah, yeah. And and the bartender goes to the Christian. And goes, hey, like, like you, you know, you're a Christian. Like, you know, how many of you could it take to change that light bulb? And the Christian's like, oh, you know, I, I could do it myself. Maybe Jesus might help me. Uh, and and the bartender goes, okay. And and, and you're a Buddhist. Like, how how many of you does it take to change a light bulb? And the Buddhist's like, there is no light bulb. <laughs> yes. So anyway. Um, on that note, probably um, a good place to finish. Yeah, well, well uh, there is no podcast, Jacob. So you know, it's a, <laughs> if you're if you're listening to this, question your own existence. This is where Jamal is leaving us, and you can send that question directly to ChristianBuddhistBar at gmail dot com. <laughs> uh, we will not have any answers for you, but you know, you can ask. I might have some answers. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Address it to Jacob if you want answers. Address it to me if you want nihilism. If you just want to speak into the void, <laughs> yeah. Jamal is your man. Thanks oh. for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thanks to Kevin McLeod for our music as well. Cheers, Jamal. Speak to you next week. Catch you.